When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, cowboys and cowgirls, to the next episode of Ingles and Ian, a CowboysRideForFree.com podcast. And as always, your good friend and mine, the renegade of Repost. On this last day of 2021, how are you doing today, buddy? Well, happy holidays to you. Uh, I'm doing all right, ready to get my fiesta on tomorrow. Ideally, like if you were to put a bowl game anywhere, New Year's Day at 12, it's probably the best spot. Just from a fan's perspective. So this why, why is, do you say that? <laughs> well, I mean, you you know, you've just up until midnight. You just, all you want to do is just walk down to the TV and sit down on the couch and watch some football. And this is the first game on. Well, you also have the Citrus Bowl and the Outback Bowl at the same time. But yeah, I, I feel like that's a it's an ideal spot out of all the New Year's six games because New Year's Eve is I, – I don't like New Year's Eve being, like, when the playoffs are being played because I want to go do stuff. Yeah, that, that and, is a re- – I know that's, like, a contractual thing, and be, especially mm-hmm. because the Rose Bowl won't move. Like, they're going to be where they're going to be, and, like, they refuse to move. So, yeah, but the, 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 the playoff being on New Year's Eve is really bad. They could probably get 10, per, 10 to 20% more viewers if they – uh if they did it earlier, but they are, they're also starting the games earlier than they have been. I think the first games are like two and the next games are like six or something. I want to say it's like two and seven, which I think, I feel like that's what they've been doing uh, the past couple of years, but who knows, but you want to just get our playoff predictions all the way. I think it's probably, I think it's going to be Bama, Michigan. Uh, I'm, I'm leaning towards Michigan. Uh, I don't, I think they, I think Bama exposed some stuff with them. Um, Michigan's playing really good football. I've heard more people than I expected to say that they think since he's going to win, I don't think they're going to win, but I think, and I think it's going to be one of those. It's really close for a long time. Cause I feel like, you know, starters versus starters, the talent gap isn't that big, but once you start getting that second and third, you know, level of depth, I think that's when the Bama talent just takes over. I, I don't even know, like against the spread, I don't even want to touch this game because it's Bama. If it was like team A and team B, I think you look at, you're like, okay, yeah, I'll take the points. But because it's Bama, I I never know. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a Bama blowout. I would hate that. I would like for Cincinnati to keep it close just for the respect of the power five. But I got, I got a bad feeling about that game for sure. And I also wonder, you know, Bama's quarterback, you know, true freshman, all of that. And he, yeah, won the Heisman, great year. But part of me wonders is that is the freshmanness going to catch up to him? You know, he's been off for a month. He's, you know, since he's going to have a has month to scheme for him, they're going to be able to watch and dissect that, you know, especially the Auburn tape to see what they did. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I it's going to be really interesting because no one's had this much time to prepare for it. Right. And so they've been able to scheme for a month plus now for this kid who's 18, 19 years old. And there's a lot of, you know, top level older guys on the Cincy defensive side of the ball. 
So we'll we'll see. I mean, I do expect Bama to win. They're they're again the probably the best team in the country. Uh, so I, but I think it'll be closer. And if there's a, I don't know. I feel like if Cincy can make something special happen early, it's going to change the dynamic of the game. You know, either may, maybe not a pick six, but a pick with a really good return, something mm-hmm. good on special teams, block punt, block field goal you know, kickoff return, something like that. I think if they can get some kind of momentum on their side, mm-hmm. then, then, you know, that's going to be, it's going to be a really tight game if they can do something in the first quarter and a half. And especially like a pick six, if they, if they go pick six, I think that'll really change the tide for the game. Yeah. I think that's definitely a possibility, but I think it's just going to be Bama being Bama. Uh, I just, you think Nick Saban, Nick Saban's probably told him, Hey, you're going to, Feel a bunch of nerves. Don't, and he'll be fine because Bama's Bama. So that's where I'm kind of at with this game. I and, hope if it was a night, if it was a night game, honestly, I think Cincinnati would have a better shot. But because it's the two thirty game, the two thirty game, I feel like has been the it's been the one that has been the blowout game in general. Let me, yeah. Let me look back on the history of. But there, so here is something that I always wondered about with old school big 12 teams. I never thought I'd have to think about with Bama, but especially back in the day, full on air raid, big 12 teams tend to struggle in later bowl games because they're that precision timing that they need for the offense to click is off Mm -hmm. because they haven't played in a month. So I kind of wonder if, you know, will Bama's high flying spread air raid offense come out a little flat? It's possible. I'm going to say no, because it's Bama. I feel that's the, that's the easy answer. But I mean, no everything. one ever takes a month off ever, except to well, start the season. You, know? you could say this. You could say the same thing about Michigan, though. You really can. You could say the same thing about Michigan, and uh, M- Michigan pounds the rock way more than Bama does. Yeah, but they've been playing their best football as of late, and then having a month off that doesn't bode well for them. I, I, I think they'll win, but that's something to keep in mind. Georgia kind of had that letdown early on but let me i'm gonna do a quick step let's talk about the fiesta bowl real quick yeah so there there's this game well, it's trying to break it down i'm just like well it really depends because there's so many weird question marks right so you know brian kelly obviously he's been gone since what the end of notre dame season mm-hmm. uh you know so they have a new head coach that they seem to really like but are they gonna be able to rally around them um you know, is how is that going to work? You know, Knowles being gone, how is that going to work on the defensive side of the ball? Uh, you know, one of the big ones uh, is uh, Kyron, Kyron Williams has opted out. And he is a giant piece of their offense, and I think that's going to really hurt the quarterback because he is their, is their safety blanket. Uh, he... Um, Williams is responsible for 27% of all yards in Notre Dame game. Notre Dame gained this year. And he's responsible for 13.5% of all passing yards for the starting quarterback. So, I mean, he's obviously the safety blanket. And, you know, he's basically Warren for, for Notre Dame, and he's gone. And we're getting Warren back, who uh, is actually responsible for 25% of all yards OSU gained this year. So, I mean, if you look at yardage, it's almost exactly the same. Williams had 1,354. 
Warren has 1325. And so they're losing that big chunk. Well, we're getting it back. And according to his comments, immediate, you know, media days or whatever, he's hundred percent. So that's going to be a huge swing. Yeah. That'll be a huge factor for sure. But um, as far as Oklahoma State's concerned, I don't think they've ever faced a defensive line like Notre Dame. Uh, I think the closest they might be Baylor. And even then they've struggled against them. Now, Notre Dame has lost, uh, I think, four straight Fiesta Bowls. So that's something to keep in mind. It's Oklahoma State being undefeated in the Fiesta Bowl. I believe they're uh, 2-0, and 2-0 or 3-0. and So the here, Fiesta Bowl, Notre Dame's 1-4. Right. And here's my thing about Notre Dame. They haven't played that many good teams. And so I think their defense is inflated. And they, especially coming down the stretch, played some really bad teams. So if you look at wins and losses of the teams they've played, they're 500, 75 and 75. And that includes a 13 and 0 Cincinnati. You take that out, you know, that's drops down to what, 63, 62 and 75. That's a, and they've only played four teams with winning record. They, they haven't really played that many good teams. Yes. Purdue is good. Yes. Wisconsin is decent, but beyond that, that's it. I want to run about with Purdue. Did you see the freaking Music City Bowl last night? I did. That was nuts. The game was so awesome. But, yeah, I'm looking through the schedule, and yikes. I mean, that is – I mean, A, that first Florida State game, that could that could be a game of the year, to be honest. But you look at the schedule, and it's like, okay, well, those are some name brands that they traditionally play. They traditionally play – USC, they traditionally play Stanford, but a lot of these teams just had off years. I mean, Wisconsin was, uh, I think, eight and four. I think they're they're nine and four after the bowl game. Oh yeah, they did win the Vegas Bowl. Congratulations. Um, yeah, Stanford's three and nine. USC is four and eight. UNC is six and seven. Lost the Mayo Bowl. Shout out Shane Beamer for the Bath yeah. of Mayo. Heck yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I could do it. I mean, obviously I would do it because, you know, as a coach, you yeah. got to, but ugh. It was 10K for charity, so that makes you feel good. I'd do it. I think what did, what did Mac, Brown, Mac Brown said something. It was like, I if we win, we win. I If uh, winning men, I got hit in the face with a frying pan, I'd absolutely <laughs> do it. I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I'm with you, Mac. <laughs> Oh yeah, if I knew if I knew that guaranteed the win, I'd definitely do it. But like I said, like Notre Dame has just yeah, they're they're really highly ranked, but it feels like they shouldn't be. Like I don't know, it just doesn't. I mean, it, people talked about you know is you know since he's week schedule right? Well, mm-hmm. they played some their schedules. I mean, if you were to go pound for pound, is almost guaranteed to be better than Notre Dame's. Which I yeah, we said. You got to play with the cards you've been dealt. You can't, well, last year you could. You can't just go all willy-nilly, change your schedule. I mean, that was the schedule you were dealt. And Notre Dame did what they were supposed to do, and they won. That was, that's pretty much it. I mean, it's true, but, like, I mean, people aren't talking about how weak the schedule is for Notre Dame, or at least not that I've heard. But, you know, I mean, SMU, decent, you know, pretty good team. Houston's a good team. They beat Notre Dame. Uh, yeah, which I, I'm gonna say yeah, UCF this. is right. nine and four. <laughs> yeah, Tulsa they're, is, they're Tulsa's not Tulsa. I mean, Tulsa, they had a yeah. weird year, but they played. Myrtle Beach Bowl champions. <laughs> yeah, I mean, seven and six. I mean, they have yeah. more wins against winning teams. 
than Notre Dame does. That's just, I mean, what Houston's what, 11 and one, something like that? 11, yeah, 11 and 12 two. and two. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just, I, I, I look at their stats and they feel bloated uh, when I look at them. Well, One thing that does worry me, though, is they're a bit of a ball hawking defense. They've had 20 takeaways on the year, 13 INT, seven fumbles. Uh, but Hamilton is one of their other mm-hmm. opt-outs. He had three interceptions this year, so he's definitely been causing havoc. But if, ba- if, if Baylor Sanders shows up, it's going to be a long day for Oklahoma State <laughs> because he could throw three or four picks pretty yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, it is one of those tough, tough scenarios where I think at the beginning of the season, you look at Notre Dame's schedule and you're like, that's a really good schedule because North Carolina was supposed to be a top 10 team. Um, EOSC was supposed to be decent. Wisconsin turned it around a little bit. Um, Stanford, I guess, was supposed to be okay. But, I mean, they beat Oregon. Stanford beat Oregon. but Yeah, I mean, that, yeah and – you know, Purdue, most people thought Virginia Tech would be better than they were going to be. I think Virginia – didn't Virginia start out ranked? This year? I don't think Virginia started out ranked. Uh, they, they've had – they had a good season. I think they went like 8-4, but unfortunately, Fenway Bowl got canceled for them. But ultimately, I mean, again, only played with the cards you were dealt. And this this kind of comes down to, I think, what I said about uh, Oklahoma. It's, it's going to be talent versus um, – what was it? Dead gum, and I forgot, but it's it's like you know, you got your recruiting talent and you got your you know, diamond in the rough talent. And a lot of time, you know, if you got five stars versus three stars, you're gonna take the five stars. But what with Oklahoma State has done is that they've created a five star culture in a in a five, four, five star caliber team to compete with those who have higher recruits than them. And we saw it in the OU game, graded. A lot of luck happened to get there, but yeah. Another guy that's I like Jack Cohn a lot. Notre Dame's quarterback. He's been you know passing pretty consistently. Um, let me pull up his numbers. So yeah, you you want to look yeah. at what, what the preseason schedule looked like for Notre Dame. So UNC ten, yeah. Wisconsin yeah. twelve, USC yeah. fifteen. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it looked like a great schedule on paper, and it was not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean. And that's not Notre Dame's fault. That's not their fault. That it's not the their, their fault either. But, it does, sucks, but I think yeah. they're overrated. I mean, they just—they—they're they, all one. They're always overrated. They all—they—they they get that. They get that love from the rankings because they're Notre Dame and they got the right logo or lack thereof on the side of the helmet. And you know, the, it's—they're not. I mean, they, they haven't played a team besides Cincinnati. They haven't played a team mm. nearly as good as Oakland. Yeah, I yeah I have. I don't disagree with you. It's just that's one of those things where even if they're at five, like who gives a crap? Cincinnati's ahead of them. There would be problems if they didn't make if they uh, if Cincinnati like lost, and then you have to put Notre Dame up there because at that point you can't have a group of five conference championship loser in, and you have to put Notre Dame. And then we're in the same predicament where it's like, well, we do that was going to happen, <laughs> but I think they they really like their new interim head coach Marcus Freeman. Um, they should be fine. I, I still think it's going to be a tough game regardless because you have um, – you don't know. Spencer Sanders is pretty much the joker. You don't know if you're going to get, like, good or if he's going to, like, kill five people or something, you know? 
I, again, not a big comic book guy. I assume that's how the Joker operates or whatever, <laughs> where he has like his good days and he's like, yo, I'm going to kill five people or something. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it, this is one of those issues, especially for me, of if Oklahoma State's offense was any more dynamic than it was, I think we win by three touchdowns. But it just the lack thereof of that, of that dynamic offense that we're used to is going to keep it close just because. I mean, besides a few games, we can't blow teams out. You know, it's just, that's just what it is. Yeah. And because we have the Spencer Sanders anomaly, and I think a lot of it, you're going to have to do ground and pound for most of the game. I think Chupas, you have to play Wisconsin football where you have like a nine minute drive and kick a field goal. I think that's your best option of winning this game, which is risky considering you have those big uglies from. Notre Dame on both sides of the football. That will be the biggest problem, I think, will be um, the line play because Notre Dame has traditionally had some really good linemen on both sides. So that's going to be a big problem for Oklahoma State, especially with um, Danny Gajewski out uh, for like the third straight game, I think. That'll be a problem. So what is Oklahoma State going to do to adjust to that? And can they find holes? in the offensive and defensive lines to take advantage of. Um, I don't think there'll be any problem on the Oklahoma State's defensive line front. That'll be fine. That'll be a great matchup there. But that Notre Dame uh, defensive line against OSU's Oklahoma State's offensive line scares me. Uh, Yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting. I'm just not sure how to feel about it, you know, because, mm-hmm. but, you know, we have had, the, you know, offensive line health issues. So those guys should be, you know, ready to go. Um, you know, I, but I think it's just going to be, especially on the def- our defensive side of the ball, not having Williams in there, they're just going to be able to pin their ears back and go after the quarterback because they're not going to have, you know, they're not going to have to worry about this really dynamic player who catches you had 350 yards receiving, you know, which is pretty good for running back, 360 yards. Uh, so they're not going to have to worry about him swinging out of the backfield nearly as much. And yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't see, I just see them be able to attack just even more so than they have for much of the year. I, this game is going to be the way I view this game and we'll get to our predictions in a sec. I think this game is just going to be really ugly. It's going to be it's going to be another one of those games for Oklahoma State where it's like this kind of stinks. <laughs> it's going to feel I think it's going to feel a lot like uh, the Baylor Oklahoma State games. So yeah, well, you know, other good things, you know, McAllister and uh, Jernigan are both practicing and playing. So mm-hmm. you know, that's some, and hopefully, you know, that means that you know they're going to come back. So that's fingers crossed there for next season. Um, I do worry. I mean, I, I I did say I'm not too worried about the offense or defensive line, but you know, is you know, especially the adjustments, right? I mean, Oklahoma State's defense has adjusted and just locked people down in the second half. And will Knowles not being around, not calling plays affect that scheme? And I don't know. And I don't know if it's, you know, I mean, obviously Knowles does a great job, but there's you know, how much of that is also these, you know, fifth six-year guys just knowing what to do you know so I'm, I'm really that's going to be really interesting and if i just i i just it's just that unknown right not that's a that's a good question and i think it should be asked um i think the good thing is that they have 
almost three guys kind of handling the defensive coordinator reins. Um, I I think this is they probably went through the scenario during COVID where it's like, okay, if Jim Knowles is out, you three are probably going to be in charge. And now they gotta fulfill that. This is gonna be an audition for some people. Uh I I think Jim Bob, Jim Bob Clements, that's probably going to be if he does really well, then I think he will probably get uh the job. Uh, I agree with that. And hopefully he does stay like some kind of defensive, you know, like defensive coordinator slash D line coach or something like that, because the D line is fantastic. I mean, and it's going to be even better next year. This is going to be scary good next year. So, and I, if he does get promoted, I hope he still is there working with them to keep that defensive line. Yeah, I hope so too, because I mean, it's just, this is just a fun team to watch on the defensive end. You got to rebuild the uh, secondary for sure and your linebacker core, but I think it's very possible to do with um, uh, you got Mason Cobb, you got, um, I think you got a recruit coming in, but I think they'll be fine there, but that's a big loss. And then the secondary wise, I I think they should be all right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's just going to be interesting to see who all ends up actually coming back uh, next year. Um, And I'm sure we'll, I'm sure by, uh, you know, the second day, third day of January, we're going to have a pretty good idea of who's all coming back because well, I think you'll get all those announcements pretty quickly after the bowl game. Is. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So you want to dive into predictions real quick? Well, first thing I want to hit, and it, I don't know, and then we, we've talked about this a little bit, is, you know, rest or rust. And mm-hmm. so, and I don't know, it always seems like some teams just come out like they haven't been off for a month and some teams that come out, like they've been off for six months, you know, but it's been, and it, so this might play um, into it is so Notre Dame's last game was 35 days ago and it's only been 28 for OSU. So that's been an extra week of game, you know, and so hopefully that extra week or less than, you know, the extra week of actually playing is going to keep them a little sharper going forward. Yeah. I think there's a, Good chance that that would happen. Um, man, I, I feel like Gundy does better in these bowl games um, just because of uh, – he does he, – because he, he has a pretty good bowl record. I think he likes playing with like a month and then he's got all this time to prepare. I mean, we saw it in the Cheez-It Bowl that the offense just looks so much more different compared to last year's games. So I hope the same thing happens, but I I do not know. Well, another thing that's always interesting sort of going forward, especially for these later bowl games, mm-hmm. is you get to practice all the way up until that bowl game. Yeah. So, I mean, what a month of practice is what equivalent to spring ball, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's a lot of practice. And that's like why these why making those bowl games is so important because some of those young guys who haven't been getting a lot of reps are going to be getting more reps because you're just practicing for a month, you know? And so hopefully that just keeps rolling people forward and think about like a guy like Darren Oliver, right? He's great year, obviously, but all in all, he hasn't had that much practice time at the collegiate level and an extra month is going to be huge for I, yeah, I definitely think so. Um, It'll be very interesting to see Um, because those young guys are going to get a lot of time in there. So That'll be that'll be fun. Take a look at and see what happens there. Uh, just, it, right. so, this game is weird. This game is weird. I don't know how to feel about it. I don't feel like I don't feel like a hope train, but I also don't feel like a sense of dread. 
Well, yeah, I mean, because there are a lot of unknowns, right? How well is um, the new Notre Dame head coach going to do, right? Now that he's running the entire program and not just the defense, is that going to have a letdown for their Notre Dame defense? Or is Oklahoma State going to have a letdown on defense? I mean, offense should be pretty much the same, you know? I mean, we're getting worn back, which is obviously huge. Uh, But there's just so many question marks, like, and Notre Dame's lost their biggest offensive weapon, right? So it's if this game was 10 years ago when no opt-outs and coaches weren't leaving early, I'd be really excited because I think it'd be a prize fight, you know, heavyweights just swinging at each other for an hour, you know. But now it's just like, I don't know. <laughs> it's I don't know why, and I don't want to blame, like, the committee and everything. It's like this game should be really important but it just doesn't feel super significant in the grand scheme of things just because this isn't like an Oklahoma State team on the rise. This feels like the last raw in a sense. And with Notre Dame, this is, this is a start. This is a, it's a crossroads. Well, I think Oklahoma State is kind of reaching their mountaintop per se, and Notre Dame is just getting started with a new coach, which could either be good or bad. So right. you got a guy that's super experienced at the head coach. You got a guy in his first game. It's it provides good storylines, but yeah, I mean the college football playoff has just really ruined bowl games, right? It has ba- basically like if you're not in the college football playoff, you've been told, well, that's there's no point, go pro, right? And now, now especially with coaches leaving early, I just I don't know, man. Like it, you're right, this this should feel like this really important game especially for us right it's notre dame i mean blue blood of blue blood right i mean there you don't get much more blue blood than notre dame and i'm just like meh. like i mean this is like, like i'm think. excited for the game don't get me wrong but it doesn't feel like we're playing notre dame because of all their upheaval and change and all the unknowns it just feels like we're playing another big 10 against a bowl game against a big 10 team that's all it feels like well what's really weird is that in the bcs era those you know, was it like five games were absolutely huge. Oh, yeah. Regardless of if they were. So I don't know if it's something where you need to hype up. If this is just ESPN, like you need to talk about the other New Year's Six games because those games are very important as well. Um, right. I mean, yeah, for sure. So I was actually thinking about this as this kind of dovetails into this conversation of. So and I feel like you and even the SEC doesn't feel this way anymore, especially so I think with like conference realignment and all the upheaval that's happened the last 10, 12 years, that conference pride isn't there. You know, it isn't, you know, I mean, I mean, especially remember not even that long ago, like 10 years ago was we want I, I wanted everybody but OU to win their bowl game because I wanted the Big 12 to look good. Mm-hmm. And now with all the changes and you don't have that connection as much to certain teams, you just like, it, it's like, yeah, we're big 12, but we're really mm-hmm. just Oklahoma state. And we're fighting for the best. So I wonder if like that conference pride is one reason so many kids opt out and why these bowl games don't feel as important. Well, don't tell the sec that anytime they win a bowl game, it's that's easy. That's easy. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, well, you mean how they haven't won a bowl game all year? Oh, no, no, no. The, the only game that matters, according to them, is the Duke's Mayo Bowl, which South Carolina <laughs> won. So, all right, that's uh, right. They that's won that one. Yeah, uh, that's the most important game of the year, uh, <laughs> according to them. Um, well, it's a very important game to me for the sake of uh, the memes. Um, honestly, I kind of want to get into like, I don't know when we could do this, but my ideal bowl system, because something's got to give, and it's not necessarily the fault of there being so many bowl games. There's always been a ton of bowl games. I mean, yeah, there's more than there have been, but there's, there's been 35 plus bowl games for a long time now. Yeah. It's not the worst thing. I don't think I like the fact that the five and seven teams are getting in. Um, that's just me. Well, how many of those five and seven teams got in because of like COVID and people backing out? I think there's only one. I think there's legitimately only one team, and that was Rutgers that got in because there were five and seven. Every other one's been like canceled. Yeah, I mean, I don't like that either. You should be you should be at least five hundred to get to a bowl game, yeah. uh, but it makes money. They make so much money. They do. No, they, they do. I mean, the Arizona bowl had to get canceled because Boise State opted out, and Central Michigan was like, "Well, we don't know what to do." Some bull crumbs call on him and says, hey, we're going to give you like $4 million, which is huge for any MAC team. They had yeah. to take it. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, of course you're going to take it. It, means, it reminds me of when, when Oklahoma State was on the sort of starting their upswing in the late aughts, you know, 08, 09, that kind of range. And, you know, we end up playing at least one Thursday night game a year. Hey, Gundy just so someone asked him about it. He's like, I hate doing it, but they, the ESPN just keeps raising how much money they're going to give you until you say yes. And especially back then, you know, we needed the money in the athletic department. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Um, at that point, you kind of just got to bite your tongue and say, all right, let's let's play on Thursday, which I mean, for a while, that was kind of like their, their week one game, I felt like was always on Thursday for a little bit, but yeah, I mean, it definitely felt that way. Yeah, which that isn't necessarily the worst thing. That just means you get like an extra Labor Day, or like they get like a couple days off for Labor Day. So it's not the worst thing for them. I don't mind. Se. I don't mind starting the season uh, on a weird day if you have mm-hmm. the entire rest of the time to. Yeah, it'd be yeah. like conference play. We're like, ah, hey, I don't know about this one, guys. Right. Yeah, but. You got to do what you got to do. OU, I think OU was mad because they have to play a Thursday night game in Ames, which I don't know if that's just the Big 12 being petty or if that was like kind of always considered on the table for them. Who who knows, man? And OU is going to be gone soon, so who really cares about them? <laughs> Nobody. It is, it is crazy how much these bowl games pull in in viewership. Oh, yeah, no, because, well, I think a lot of it is Vegas. Well, that's true, to... too, but, you know, it's a lot of people have time off around Christmas, and, yeah. you know, it's on in the middle of the day. Like, I'm looking at this right now. Um, the Armed Forces Bowl, uh, 2.57 million viewers. Pretty good. Yeah, for the truth, so, you got to respect it. 
Game three of the NBA Finals last year only pulled 5.9 million. And that's the NBA Finals. Well, and and so you're you're talking roughly half, roughly half. uh, And it's Missouri, (laughs) it's Missouri Army in the middle of the week in a game that quote unquote doesn't matter. Well, to be fair, that's not their traditional time slot. They usually go in June. I think this one was played in July. So that was an adjustment within itself. Um, yeah. So there's that. And then, man, I mean, you got to love, you got to love bowl games, man. Oh, yeah. It's they're just, great. Yeah. So, well, it, one of the things that makes them great is something wacky almost always happens because you don't have to save anything in the playbook. Mm hmm. You've got a month to, or a couple of weeks at least to add something, or like maybe you just never had this chance to pull out this trick play. So why not? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, like the players get to travel for it. And that's always a lot of fun for them. Um, I hate that, you know, the holiday bowl, it got canceled like five hours before. Like that's got to stay. Like they took time out of their Christmas to, play this game and they just like, Oh yeah, it's uh, not getting played because of COVID that sucks. Well, and apparently the team that pulled out, like did it yeah. in a really dirty way. They knew like the day before and didn't tell anybody. That ain't good, man. That ain't good. And <laughs> you think about what, cause that was Fox's only bowl game. So that is a stink for them. I also hate, you know what I hate? I hate that ESPN has every single bowl game, like spread the wealth a little bit. Give, give a couple of CBS Give a couple to Fox because I think a lot of their guys deserve to have, you know, one final bowl game for their producers. And, you know, and, and I that. think when Obviously. the new when the new TV deal, because because Fox mm-hmm. has definitely been pushing really hard to get into college football. You know, we've seen mm-hmm. it with Big Noon and, you know, they're spending a lot more money, getting a lot more games. And so I think you're going to see a lot more spreading of the wealth when it comes to these bowl games. Yeah, well, not only that, like like when you have the Sun Bowl on CBS, that game feels special to them because it's their only one with the Holiday Bowl. It feels special. Like I remember when Fox's game was the Con Bowl and that was it. Yeah, I remember And that. they were like, hey, this is going to be a fantastic game. We're going to hype this up as much as we can because guess what? This is our only bowl game. So we're going to, you know, heck, I think for a little bit, it was their only college football game. Like, because I don't think they broadcasted that much. It was always like the network affiliates. It was like Fox Sports Southwest and all them. So this is like the only game on like Big Fox. So yeah, I don't know how. I, I know the CFP is in the New Year's Six are pre, are pretty much all negotiated together. But I have no idea how that affects um, the rest of the bowls. Like, are is every bowl negotiated separately? I don't know. Well, uh, I know that um, there are some bowl games that are tied in with ESPN as ESPN events. So that's how they're, you know, some of those games are tied together. The, I think every, uh, every other game that's not like an ESPN event can negotiate a contract with ESPN because, and like Fox, because there was a time where there'd be like a three-year contract uh when the Gator Bowl was on like CBS for a little bit and they, some of them went to NBC, uh, stuff like that. But it's, I think it's whatever at that point, but let's, I feel like I'm spending a little too much time talking about bowl game history. 
So <laughs> I'm going to tap out on that end. So get, what's your score prediction, players of the game? All the- so I'm thinking, I I think for the, the sake of just not picking against them, I'm going to say Oklahoma State wins 21 to 19. I think it's going to come down to a two-point conversion at the end of the game where Oklahoma State holds the line in that avenue. That's that's what I'm going to go with. I, I think player of the game is going to be – it's going to be co. I'm going to give co-defensive players – uh, Malcolm Rodriguez and Devin Harper. I think they're going to be menaces in their last game uh, with OSU. And then I think on the offensive end, I think it's going to be Jalen Warren. I think Jalen Warren's going to go uh, beast mode after being 100%. He, he's going to go off, but it's going to be a really, really close game. I agree. Um, I, I This has 17, 14 written mm-hmm. all over it. Uh, I'll go with OSU because we do have pretty much our entire offense output in place and Notre Dame doesn't. Uh, so, and I think Jalen Warren, offense player of the game, I think he's going to have a giant game. He always, almost always shows up to big games and it's his last game. And, you know, we, I mean, I remember when uh, Carson was at uh, Oklahoma State in his last year. And he had kind of an okay career in the last, like, four or five games of the regular season, the bowl game, he played really well. And I remember yeah. talking, and I'm like, he just ran himself in the NFL. And I think this is going to be that kind of game for Warren. If he puts up, especially because, you know, like you said, people think Notre Dame's got a good defense. He puts up 200, 220 yards on the ground. He might, you know, move up a, a, an entire round. Because I, I don't know where he's slotted, but I'm guessing he's probably slotted in that three to four range. Uh, right now, but I mean, if he has a really good game, he could get upper third, low second, and that's the difference of millions of dollars. So, and he always, you know, he always shows up in big games. Yeah, uh, absolutely. There's no doubt that this is, I mean, this is why you kind of play the bull game for a lot of guys instead of opting out, which opting out, like, I'll say this, it doesn't ruin college football. It's, it's a personal decision. And yeah, the Peach Bowl was kind of, ruined with uh Kenny Pickett not playing but didn't the uh, I think Pitt's backup quarterback got hurt so but and then it was kind of like you, you opt out for a lot of those like fourth fifth round sixth round seventh round guys that's an opportunity to show out so yeah Pitt's uh, backup got on hurt the, on the second offensive series yeah I actually ended up watching a chunk of that game it was pretty good yeah I watched the last little bit um but that music city bowl that, that's up there for game of the year, I think. And so, you know what? I'm going to go on a different rant. I hate <laughs> when people say that um, the game is ruined by one bad call. Because let's – I just want this to be perfectly clear. That was a – I don't really know how to feel about that call, to be honest. It, when you make the call, it kind of has to sit there. But there's really nothing you could do about that. It was probably a bad call. He was probably still chugging along. He didn't need to stop his forward progress. But at the same time, you had – a a Tennessee offensive lineman kind of pushing him toward the end zone, like a bush push, which may or may not be illegal. But when you look at Tennessee, there were multiple opportunities to win that game. On the third and 10, before overtime, they chucked it. They didn't have to. It was a third and two. You just needed to get in the field goal range. You run a simple pass play. You get in the field goal range. On the fourth and two, you you, you try to run another one of those pass plays where you get more yardage on the field goal to where he's not kicking a 56-yarder right? in overtime. You could have kicked a field goal there. 
because that's three points. And you've done a pretty decent job of holding Purdue. Heck, in the last possession, they had to punt. So who's to say that that doesn't go into double overtime? And I get hypo super aggressive, but, and again, you're saying this after the fact, but I, I really hate it whenever people say that the refs ruin this classic game. No, because of one call. And this isn't me being like, oh, super pro ref, because sometimes refs stink. But I, I really hate the fact when people say they got screwed because of one play, when there were several plays beforehand that could have prevented that. Yeah, oh, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, there's almost always a – very rarely does it ever come down to one. Sometimes mm-hmm. it does. Sometimes it really does, but very, that's very rare. Yeah. So for my uh, defensive player of the game, I'm going with Oliver. Sort yeah. of kind of why – Sort of with the same logic of your co-defensive players of the game, because I think I think Malcolm is going to go insane. He is he is full on one more ride with the guys, you know, and and I think especially those guys who aren't coming back, who have been here for a long time, are going to be playing so well mm-hmm. that it's just going to open Oliver up to just crush the quarterback I, I think he's gonna have like three to four sacks this game. that'd be amazing for him because it'd just be the legend of colin oliver continue yeah to see that later down the and, line and, and i think that's part of what if it is I, I think he's i think he's about to say i am the man with all these guys that i love that are leaving i'm gonna be the guy going forward. i like that a lot i think that's a that's a good that's a good player to name for player of the game what about all offensively you said warren right right and I went on my rant. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just hoping the defensive player game for Notre Dame isn't Spencer Sanders. <laughs> I think it might be. You want to? <laughs> uh, okay, over under two interceptions for Sanders. I'm gonna go with under, mostly because uh, Warren is back at full full strength, and they're mm-hmm. gonna be able to ride him, which they haven't been able to do the last basically month of the season. They weren't really able to to ride him like they have been. So I think, I think they're going to go back to that. And I, and I don't, I don't think you're going to see Sanders with, you know, 35 attempts, like we've seen him in the past. Right. I mean, we had 47 against Baylor, uh, 30 against 25, only right. 25 max. Well, in the last time he had less than tw- well, 25 or less or less than 25 was Iowa state with 24. So, I mean, he had 47 against Baylor, 30 against OU, 39 against Tech. And, you know, with, but if you, if you look at our rushing attempts, they're way down from what they've been. Uh, so I, I, I think that they're just going to really just ground and pound with Warren. Uh, so I, I think they're going to limit his opportunities to make mistakes. Yeah, I, I think that's a, poss- a, a really good possibility. And I hope that happens for the sake of, I mean, look, this is the first time OSU has ever played Notre Dame. And to say, hey, we have a one to no advantage against Notre Dame, that's awesome. Yeah, for sure. I just, Spencer worries me. He seems to get too flustered in really big games. And so it makes sense if he faltered. It it just would. Yeah, it it just would. At this point, it just would make sense. But who knows? Maybe, maybe something's going to click in his head. One of these days, Maybe one day something will click in his head and he's just going to be like a you know gay manager, not try and save the world quarterback, you know, and if he did that, Oklahoma State would be pretty good. Yeah, probably, probably, probably. probably. Uh, right. So uh, <laughs> anything else you want to hit before we get out of here? here here's a, okay, so 
Final question. What is your favorite like bowl game you've ever watched? This doesn't have to include Oklahoma State. I assume it might, but Ooh, that's a hard one. There's been actually it's it's not hard. Uh, I think I know what you're going with. So <laughs> Boise State OU. Oh, okay. I was not thinking that. What were you thinking? I was thinking you were gonna say 2011 uh Fiesta Bowl. I mean, that was really good, but I, in terms of just favorite, because it was, you know, this was before Boise State was Boise, that was mm-hmm. their, their ascension, and it was just so bonkers with all those trick plays. And, like, I remember watching with my dad, and I'm like, yeah, this game's over, because OU was up a bunch so late in the game, and all of a sudden, it's like, hook and ladder, and, you know, Statue of Liberty, and da-da-da, it's just craziness. It was, it was fantastic. Uh I mean, and that, that is like true bowl spirit because you got the underdog going against the powerhouse and, you know, like I said, all the craziness. And I'm trying to remember, and you might, but one of my favorite single memories of a bowl game was, I think it was Mason Rudolph's first year. And I don't remember, and we wore those um, chrome peat helmets. And we had like a, a defensive end running. He scored a touchdown and like, he loaded his helmet into a guy, and there's this picture of like the chrome like shattering off of his helmet. Ah, uh, I, I I've been looking for that picture all week, and I can't find it. I, that was a great one for me. Oh, that hey, that play sounds freaking awesome. And then second of all, I'm kind of trying to look for mine, <laughs> just like through memories. I'm like going through like lists of like bowl games to see like what was a good one that I remember because I. Because, A, what I'm trying to think is that I'm trying to think of one that I, like, truly sat down for and watched the whole thing. Because I don't want to – because, obviously, the one I was kind of thinking of was the 2008 Orange Bowl where Kansas won, just because that's funny. (laughs) But that isn't the one I'm necessarily trying to find. I think the one last night, the Music City Bowl that I keep on bringing up, that was one of my favorites I've ever kind of seen, especially, like, toward the last – Little bit of the game. Oh, here we go. 2011 Rose Bowl. Wisconsin versus TCU, where TCU had like Andy Dalton. And that game went down to the wire. I think it went down to a two-point conversion because it was the same score of 21 to 19. That game was phenomenal. And that was kind of the thing that pushed TCU almost over the top and into the Big 12. Oh, I just found it. (laughs) It was the 2015 Cactus Bowl. Uh, Against Washington. Yep. <laughs> I missed when it was called the Motel Six Cactus Bowl because that was funny. <laughs> it's like, hey, welcome to the Motel Six. Motel Six is sponsored by That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> have you, uh, so, you know, so we have all these crazy like bowl dumping celebrations for like mm-hmm. mayo and Cheez Its. So what should they, what should the PlayStation Bowl dump on the winning coach? I think it should be like PS5 controllers. <laughs> I wish that it was still called the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. So that way they could just dump Tostitos. See, if they that. were going to do that, they should do salsa. Make it really nasty. I feel like salsa would burn the eyes. Yeah, give them goggles. <laughs> uh, uh, I, uh, probably, yeah, probably the either confetti or the yeah, PS5 controllers. <laughs> that would concuss people, though. <laughs> give them a helmet. Put a helmet on Gundy. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey, we're going to dump these on you. Bam. Well, I mean, they, they kind of did that with the mayo, right? They, like, set them down and, like... Oh, yeah. Well, heck, they almost concussed them. I they know. They hit, hit him in the back of the head. 
Oh, as grandpa would say, we're we're in the wilderness section of the podcast at this point. We are. <laughs> you know what? I don't care. <laughs> uh, well, do you have anything else for us before we before we call it a day on 2021 in this podcast? Happy New Year. That's all I got. Uh, happy have a happy and safe new year, everybody. Uh hopefully we start 2022 off with a fiesta ball win against Notre Dame. And uh it just brings good fortune for the rest of the year because it can't be any worse than the last two years. And I said that about 2021 and yeah. 2020. And well, <laughs> maybe it's just gonna be a bigger dumpster fire. Who knows? <laughs> I hope not. I, I want a normal year for once. Uh, wouldn't that be nice? All righty, everybody. Um yeah, have a good one. Uh, just be safe and happy and merry and all that good stuff. And until next time.